We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good morning, everyone. Today's uh, set of readings is masterfully crafted by the church, the way that these two are put together. And, and I just want to outline those for you really quick before we jump in a little deeper. In our first reading, we have Adam, the founder of the human race, the father of humanity, and in temptation, he is disobedient to God. And because of that, sin enters the world. And so that's the, the start of the human race. In our gospel, Jesus is tempted, just like Adam. But he, of course, is obedient perfectly to the Father. And our second reading is, in some ways, the crown of our readings today. Uh, from Paul to the Romans, chapter 5. If you're ever, if you're ever down... Right? You know when you're like sitting on I-25 and people are on their, their cell phones? Bring your Bible. And like when you're parked on I-25, read Romans 5. Don't really. But it'll cheer you up. If whenever I'm depressed, if you want to, if I'm like, oh my gosh, life is so hard and I'm really bad at it, I'm not getting any better, and the world seems to be a dark place, when you're down, read Romans chapter 5. It is, it is the most hopeful joyful chapter, because in Romans 5, Paul says there's two founders of the human race. There's Adam, and there's Jesus. And Adam, did you ever get mad at Adam and Eve? Some of you are like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to deck Adam in the face first thing, right? God's not going to let you do that, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been there. But here's what's so great about Romans 5. There's so many great things about it. But two of my favorite words in all of the whole entire Bible is, is Paul's talking about how because of Adam, there's sin and there's death and there's problems and disease and all these different things. And two words in Romans 5 are so awesome. Much more. Much more. The free gift is not like the trespass, right? The free gift of Christ, his love, his grace. The gift is not like Adam's sin. It's not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. That's such good news. Romans 5 says to you and I that Christ's victory over sin and death wasn't kind of a little bit, and if you are perfect, and you never say a cuss word again, and you never have envy or jealousy or lust in your heart, that maybe you'll slide into heaven. Romans 5 says... The victory of Christ was not a little bit. It was complete. It was much more. It was overwhelming. So when you see that person texting on I-25, plot your Bible, read Romans 5. It'll cheer you up. 
Don't you wish you could rewrite the past? All of us, as we go through life, we have regrets and we say, gosh, Jesus, I wish I could just go back and I wish I could change that one thing. Right? I wish I could just do that differently. Sometimes it's small things. My Deacon Daryl's son, Father John, my favorite story, I think I've probably told it before, but he is his first year in Rome getting his doctorate. And he's, all classes are in Italian. And he's been working hard to learn Italian. And he's in the hallway, and one of his professors comes up to him and starts speaking to him and says, are you understanding what's happening in class? And he was nervous, and, and he looked at him and he said, John Neppel. My name's John Neppel. <laughs> and he was like, wish I had that one back, right? That's one of those moments today. I wish I could go back, Jesus, and just change that. That was embarrassing. Um, he'll be here one day to tell embarrassing stories about me. I don't really have any. Um, but you wish you could go back and do that, but sometimes it's more serious. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Today what I want to talk to you about is there's, there's those two figures. There's Adam and Jesus. And what I want to talk to you about is that God doesn't just want to forgive you. He doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants to make things right. Redemption is not just forgiveness. It's much more. Redemption is that God wants to set things right. And that's what he's doing in Christ. So we've got to get ugly first to understand this. Too often times as Christians, we've reduced the gospel to a cheap forgiveness. And I don't know if you've ever had this in your life, but I bet you have. Where either, you could be on either side, where on one side you say, you did something really bad, and you want to be forgiven, but it's too easy. Or maybe it's been the other way around. We've, you've struggled to forgive someone, and it seems so hard, and you say, I want to forgive you, but it's not right. Something's not right here. Christians sometimes are advocates of cheap forgiveness, and we shouldn't be. God's forgiveness goes hand in hand with his justice. And his justice means making things right. To do that, we have to understand really bad things. And when things go awful in this world, we have to have justice. So I've been reading a book some parishioners gave me on the crucifixion. And the, the author is wonderful. Her name is Fleming Rutledge. Rutledge. She's a great writer, not Catholic, but she, uh, she talks about this theme, and she says this. She says, most of us don't know anything as Americans really about what happened in Rwanda. In Rwanda, in the Rwandan genocide, we don't even fully know the numbers. But the honest, kind of, any honest numbers say that somewhere between a half a million and a million people were brutally murdered. Awful stuff. And if you dig into the accounts, it gets worse and worse. The Rwandan genocide was, I really think it was demonic. Uh, seven out of ten Hutu women were murdered. 
and they were usually tortured. I'm sorry, that was the, the Tutsi women. They, they were, the seven out of ten were killed. And their counterparts in the warring tribe, the Hutus, in many of the cases, the women of the opposite tribe participated in the torture and murder of other women. And Fleming Rutledge says, can you imagine in that situation if we just said, well, let's let bygones be good bygones. Let's just forgive and forget. There are things that cry out for the justice of God. Hard to talk about. She talks about it then apartheid in South Africa. And apartheid, it's a very interesting thing that happened. Similar horrible things happened in South Africa. And when the in 93, the Constitution of South Africa was being written. The outgoing ruling class of, of Anglos asked for amnesty, a general blanket amnesty, where all crimes committed by any Anglos would not be prosecuted by the next government. And the blacks said no, and rightfully so. But what they did is this, they had an interesting attempt at bringing mercy and justice together. They said in, in apartheid South Africa, as it comes to an end, so Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu, what they worked out is they said, we'll grant amnesty, a certain form of forgiveness, but the people who committed these crimes must publicly come forward and confess their sins and their guilt. And so you had people on both sides who did atrocious things that would be unimaginable for us. And they publicly confessed them. Now that doesn't fix things. It doesn't make everything right. But it went a long way. And, and ever since then, lots of people have said that that process in South Africa did more to bring about reconciliation, to set things right, than other places of the world where they just granted a blanket amnesty. Jesus didn't just come to forgive you. He came to set things right. And isn't that way better? Isn't that so much better? God doesn't just want to say, I forgive you for being unfaithful. I forgive you for being greedy and selfish. I forgive you for being someone who hates others. God says, I forgive you, and we're going to set you right. So that you, as my beloved son or daughter, will no longer be someone who is filled with hatred, who is selfish, who in the face of temptation turns to, to the devil instead of to God. And that, brothers and sisters, today, this is such a great day. That's what Lent's about. Lent is not about alcohol. Lent is not about chocolate. 
It's not even about gelato. Partially about gelato. That's fine. All those things are fine to give up. But you've got to understand how it connects to the deeper story. The deeper story of the world is that you can either be Adam or you can be Christ. In the face of temptation, do you trust God or do you not? And I just got to, we've got to break open the scriptures briefly here today. God wants to write himself into your story. And so in our gospel today, Jesus has those three temptations. And you might not know this, but those are the three temptations that Israel faced in the desert. Jesus is in a desert for 40 days, which should make us think of the 40 years the Jews were in the Exodus, in the desert. And Jesus has three temptations. And guess what? They're the same temptations the Jews had on their way to the Promised Land. Same ones. Jesus wants to enter into the story of Israel and where things went wrong. He doesn't want to just forgive it. He wants to make them right. And so they, the first temptation, Satan says, if you're hungry, turn this stone into bread. The Jews had the same thing. In Exodus 15, they run out of food and they're hungry. And they sin because they don't trust God. They refuse to trust Him. And you know what? I bet that's like your life. Lord, I don't have enough. I'm scared about tomorrow. What if my money runs out? I can't possibly live a life of obedience because I need to get things for myself. And God in his faithfulness, even when we're unfaithful, in Exodus 16, God rains down bread from heaven. So Jesus enters into to the story of the Jews, into our story, and he doesn't just forgive us. He sets things right. And the third one, I want to talk briefly about the third temptation Satan offers Jesus, he takes him to a mountain, he says, see all the kingdoms of the world, all of them. All these I will give you. What's Jesus' number one topic he preaches about? You can answer. The kingdom of God, right? Universally. Thank you everyone for answering together. That was good. I'm proud of you. The kingdom of God, he, teach, he talks about that more than anything else by far. And guess what? The kingdom of God is universal. It's Catholic. Universal. Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, you know what? I'll give this to you if you just worship me. And you see, the way Satan works in our life is he's not going to tempt you usually with really evil things. He's going to tempt you with good things and to pursue them in the wrong way. I want to love God, but I can do that my own way, right? I don't have to go to church. I can just do what other people do on Sunday and I'll be fine. Maybe you're pursuing happiness. Maybe you're pursuing union with God, but maybe you're doing it the wrong way. I want to be comfortable in life. Who doesn't? Right? Maybe Father Mike doesn't, but he's, you know, we call him the white shark. He just, he does his own thing. 
maybe he doesn't want to be comfortable. I sure do. But there's a wrong way to pursue comfort. You can do that in an evil way. That's how Satan tempts us. So Satan offers Jesus the thing he came to bring. Jesus Christ came to bring the kingdom of God. Satan says, I'll give it to you. I'll give you the thing you want more than anything else. But Jesus knows the way the kingdom of God is properly brought about looks like that. And that should give you and I courage and resolve in our temptations. And Satan will whisper in your ear and he'll say to you, you're a good person. Your life's hard. It helps me do this. Your life's hard. It's not that bad. Right? I don't know what your temptations are. Yes, I do, actually. I know. <laughs> but he'll tempt you. And, and he'll do it, though. He'll say, this is a good thing. You deserve it. And it's just a little bit off, but that's okay. And you and I, as sons and daughters of God, we stand with Christ. And we pursue things in the right way. And we're willing to suffer for that because we know it's true and it's right and it's just. That's what Lent's about. Lent, it's great to give things up. I tr I'm giving up uh, any music in my car except for Bach's Passion of St. Matthew, this Lent. And so all I'm listening to is that passion. It's beautiful. And it, may, it helps me to pray. But it's not about music. It's about Him. It's about learning that I can say no to myself and I can say no to the Satan and to the flesh and to the world because I stand with Christ. That's what Lent's about. That's what God wants to do with us, brothers and sisters. He wants to drive us in that direction. So Jesus, though, so he turns Israel's story around and he says, where they went wrong, I'm going to set things right. But it's not just Israel. It's also the story of Adam. And so that's what Paul is telling us. And today I want you to go home this Sunday and I want you to read Romans chapter 5. Slowly, prayerfully, and carefully, it will fill you with such joy. And what Romans 5 tells us is that all of us are like Adam. And we're all disobedient. And we say, God, I know that you command this, but I don't understand it, and I think I know a better way. So I'm going to do my own thing. And that's Adam. That's Adam and Eve right there. God will not command me in my life. But then there's Christ who redeems humanity and gives a new start, who sets things right. And my challenge to you is this day, go home and read this. The mark of those who are really Christians, the mark of those who are really Christians is obedience. We heard this today. It says, one man's trespass, that's Adam, right, is the one man. One man's trespass led to condemnation for all men. 
Right? This is original sin. When Adam sinned, it led all of us to have that disease of original sin. One man's trespass led to condemnation for all men. So, one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. Right? And this doesn't mean not women, you know that. This, this is humanity. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That's Adam. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Brothers and sisters, God could have forgiven me from heaven. He could have said, Brian, you have been unfaithful. You have been selfish. You have not lived for me and for your neighbor. You have lived for yourself, but I forgive you. He could have done that. He didn't have to become a human being. He didn't have to die on a cross. But Jesus did that because he doesn't just forgive us. He sets things right. And those of us who love him, right, we know that that obedience, Jesus is in Gethsemane, right, and he doesn't want to go to the cross. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But he goes. Those who belong to Christ learn the true happiness, true life comes from obedience. And so brothers and sisters, there's good news today. The good news today is God doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants to rewrite your story. He wants to give you that, that heart of yours that's selfish, that's a little too fearful about the future. He wants to give you a new heart, a heart that is generous, a heart that will suffer for others. Jesus wants to make you obedient and faithful. And I promise you that will make you happy. And so, Lord, this morning, Jesus, this Lent, Lord, would you make me the way I should be? When temptation comes, Lord, help me to stand against it. Help me to trust you and to trust the Father and the Spirit. Lord, I don't want to just be forgiven. Jesus, I want to be made right. May you bless me. May you bless my congregation today. Jesus, may you make all things as they should be.